Well, good morning and welcome to uh, what is our, um, I think, fifth week in our preaching series called Journey to the Cross, Overcoming the Fears that We Have. It's interesting because as we journey towards Easter, as Easter becomes closer and closer towards us, we start in the story that we have before us and that we're going to share in just a moment, um, coming from John's Gospel, we have more intimate moments of Jesus preparing and organising for what becomes his death on the cross and his resurrection becomes our saving grace. So before we delve into all of this and before we delve into the message, I just want to pray with you at the moment. So let's just pray. Gracious, loving God, we just give you thanks that we can be here together, whether it is online or whether it is in person. Lord, I just ask that your Holy Spirit be upon us, upon us today that we may understand your word. We may hear your word speak through to each and every one of us. Touch our hearts. Open our minds to your word for our lives. We ask this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. So as we said, uh, as I said, we were moving towards Easter. We've been journeying towards the cross and we've been looking at how we overcome our fears. And today I want, to, um, I want to explore for us how we overcome our fears of other people's opinions. Now, some of us might develop really thick, tough skins and, you know, and, and whatever anybody else thinks about us, it kind of washes off. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe it kind of just niggles in there and weaves its way into that. I want to tell you a story, and it's actually it's a personal story. It's a, it's a bit about me, but it may ring true to you as well. I want to say this. No matter how thick your skin is, no matter how tough you think you are and impervious to what other people think and say, other people's opinions matter. They will either make you feel good if they're positive about you, or they will, you know, or they'll pull you apart when they have a negative opinion about you as a person and isn't expressed and we hear it. Last year, many of you may actually know, I, I, I was asked whether I would accept a nomination for the position of moderator for the New South Wales ACT Synod, so that's the state body. Um, it's an important position within the church and, you know, and being an important position in the church, it has a gruelling selection process. Um, there, there is a couple of numerous interviews with the selection committee uh, and there's select few people that have been put together either with deep theological understanding, the breadth of the church, um, corporate, all these kind of things and they want to know um, who you are and uh, delve into your understanding of Scripture and the Bible and what you would bring to the church if you were brought into this position. You'd have to write lots of written material um, and then, then there's the presentations to this, this big meeting. And, you know, it's a meeting of I think it was 200 and something other people, so 270 people, something around there, um, and, and they all get to either ask you questions, express their opinion about you, um, and, and ultimately vote. 
you know, there, there was a whole Q&A section when, you know, sitting in Zoom because this was all last year in lockdown and all these kind of things. And, and the thing was, you're sitting there and you're, you're sitting here in, in your little space, camera in front of you, screen there so you can see all the different people asking questions and having questions and then you'd have to actually answer those questions. And the lovely thing about Zoom is that then they have all of the comment feeds that go up with it. Have you noticed? And the thing about that is some people just don't filter their opinions and there's all sorts of different opinions going on, positive and negative, and that's a really good point, or that's a load of BS or whatever it might be, um, and, and or this person could never represent me. So there's a whole lot of things going on in there. Many of you will know that during the election, yes, I wasn't elected to that position. Some of you are really pleased about that. Others are kind of still trying to grapple and deal with what that all means. But during all of that process, I was saying, afterwards, during, people would actually talk with me about their opinions of me. It's a very odd position to be in. They would either tell me that they, you know, they thought what I was saying and who I was was really important and the church really needed somebody like me there. And look, that really puffs you up and makes you feel good, doesn't it? Then there were the other people that would um, go, actually, I don't believe anything you're saying. I think that was horrible. Um, how could you possibly represent the breadth of the church? You know, you have a completely different theological opinion and some people would rip into you. And the interesting thing is that often the people that were furthest away from me, in other words, they don't actually know who I was or what I stood for or, or the, the, the wrestling and the grappling that you had to do with, you know, I spent weeks and weeks just wrestling with what it should be. Now, when, when it first asked, what, what is God wanting me to bring to the church here? What would I embody in this position? And you're wrestling with God going, what is it that really needs to be something that is told to this church and what would I embody this? And then for people to go, I don't believe you and that's not right and I don't trust you, and how could you definitely represent me when you can't? It pulls you down and tears you apart. Let me tell you, opinions matter. And opinions matter to me, whether they're positive or negative. And some of the things that people said broke my heart. Some of the comments that people made made me angry and indignant because opinions matter. The things that we say matter. It doesn't matter even if it's like anonymous on typing away within a Zoom chat or on, you know, and, and, and here's, the, here's the interesting thing because they also have to do profile pieces of you and take pictures and put it out there and talk about who is this Simon character and who are the other people and then people anonymously on the internet then are suddenly talking about you and making opinions and comments and, 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 and the negative ones, they hurt. Even though you go, they shouldn't, they do. 
it actually took a really big toll on me. The second half of last year was particularly difficult. It took time to heal and um, from that experience. But let me say this, I wouldn't go back on it. I wouldn't say I wouldn't do it again. You know, I feel as though I've grown and I feel as though, that, you know, I've matured in all that process. And it's also allowed me to see, you know, broader of what the church sometimes comes across like to those outside the church. Often when you're living inside the church, you understand that, the, you know, oh, people sometimes aren't as quite as good, but you don't understand the negative things that come out at times. See, what I've been talking about is this experience of positive and negative opinions about myself. Now, some of you may have had similar things. You may not have gone through that same kind of process. It might not have been as public or anything like that. But people have made opinions about you. People have passed judgments on you. People have pulled you apart. Let me turn this around. While we look at it that, let me also say that your opinion matters. Your opinion matters of what you say or what you say to other people. Even if it's in that anonymous space of social media, your opinion matters and will make a difference in somebody's lives. See, the thing is, you just don't know what kind of day that person's having when you say that negative comment about them. You don't know what kind of day that person and things they've had to deal with in this moment in their lives when you just make an offhanded comment that you don't think is very big, but it bites deep. So the question is, opinions matter. Your opinions matter. Other people's opinions matter. The question for us is, are we willing to build up people with our opinions or are we somebody who is going to tear somebody down with our opinions? with the words that we say. So I want us to go to the Bible and, and into John's Gospel because I want us to read this passage. Read this passage and, and, and so often when we read this passage, we read it with the, the, all these different lenses. But I want you to put on the lens of listening to the opinions that are expressed and then think about how that would be for you if you were in that position. Okay, I want you to put on that lens as we read from John's Gospel. John chapter 12, verses 1 through to 8, and it is the story of the anointing of Jesus at Bethany. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honour. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar, which is about 300 grams just for our, actually it's over 300 grams, um, jar of expensive perfume made of the essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it wiping her feet with her hair. The house was filled with a fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who soon betrayed him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wage. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. 
you will always have the poor amongst you. You will always, you will not always have me. See, this passage that I've just read out of um, John's Gospel, across all of the four Gospels, the, uh, the accounts of Jesus, so the, the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, across each of those Gospels, you'll actually find an anointing of Jesus uh, with perfume by a woman. Let me just say that. Um, all but Luke's Gospel has this anointing at close to the cross. Now, some people want to put it all together and say it's all one. Other people go, actually, they're different things and they're talking about slightly different experiences. And at times what we do is we often think that what is written in one and we start taking that little bit and placing it into another gospel's account of exactly the same thing and we want to move it that. But we, we, can't, we shouldn't do that. We should always let what the gospel that we have just read speak to us. So we need to be careful not to bring in that it's Mary Magdalene. We need to be careful not to bring in that there was tears involved because that wasn't written what was written in, in John's gospel. It, it may have been there, but it wasn't important for John to speak that to us. So we let what the Bible is saying in this, in this moment speak into our lives. So often when we focus on this passage, uh, we, we look at the different elements of this story that convey the depth and the meaning of this interaction with Jesus as he's journeying to the cross. See, we, we could, and rightly so, we could be exploring that the anointing with the perfume is actually as a preparation for Jesus' burial. It, it, an incredibly prophetic action that, that Mary comes and anoints Jesus. We could explore that the fact that because she's anointing his feet, that there was a neglect of washing his feet before he came in. Not that he did it, but the host didn't do that in cleanliness. And she was doing that with expensive perfume, a gift of a king. We could be exploring in terms of the devotion to Jesus that is being shown there and, and, and the willingness to be extravagant and, and, and give we could be exploring in the terms of the money that is given and what does it mean to give in all of this money and how, what does it mean to give to the poor? What does it mean to have Jesus with it? All of these interesting things that we could delve into. We could explore those intimate moments that Mary had with Jesus about expressing her faith with this physical appointing. Or we could explore in terms that Mary is probably giving thanks to Jesus because Jesus raised Lazarus from, the, from, from being dead. And, and the perfume that she's using is most likely the perfume she had bought to embalm, anoint her brother as he was in the tomb but was no longer needed and she pours it on to Jesus' feet. See, all of these are important and worthwhile and, and, and would be worthy of exploring in depth, but that's not what I want us to do today. See, as I was reading this and as I was preparing our sermon series and looking at these, it came to me 
just how pointed that comment that Judas was making about this action that Mary was doing. His opinion cut deep into her. A moment of of pure emotion, of love, of gratitude, swept aside with words, how... And, and, And let me say this. With words that we would often use because we're wanting to justify ourselves, you know, he, he's saying, well, you, you, used, you could have sold it and used all of that money, a year's worth to feed the poor. Noble motives, but pulled apart Mary's action. Can you imagine doing that personal, intimate action and somebody go, that is so wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. How dare you? We could have used that money for something else. Notice how words and opinions matter and cut to the heart. I always think it's interesting. And this harkens back to my experience, but it also harkens back into just reading into this passage. Sometimes the people that are closest to Jesus are the ones who cause most damage. Here's Judas, one of the 12, one of the close, intimate disciples that are hearing and seeing everything that Jesus is doing, of, of the teaching that he's giving, of the changes and the miracles he's doing, of lives restored, of hope given, And yet, he makes this really negative, hurtful comment. And we know later on, he he betrays Jesus. I think it's also true for us within churches, within the world around us and stuff. Let's be honest. Sometimes the things that cut deepest are the ones that should have lifted us up the most. There are people within our own congregations, within our own denominations of Christian faith that we rip apart and pull people down. We are not called to do that. We are called to lift people up. We are called to to say that you are special, that you are wonderful, that you are important. You are important in God's eyes. You are special in God's eyes. You are wonderfully and beautifully made. That is uplifting not tearing down. So people often will show the outward signs of their faith, but their hearts have turned away from being a disciple and they start to rip into to other believers because their heart has gone. Let's mirror this with what Jesus then says to Mary. Jesus defends Mary here. Demands Mary in her actions. Jesus commends her for for what she's been doing and and, and for that special moment that is there. As a matter of fact, Jesus actually places on that moment that that prophetic nature that she's preparing him for his burial. She's preparing him for his moment on the cross and his 
is being placed in the tomb and being risen again. I could imagine Judas saying this and everybody going, <gasps> and taking that deep breath in, but also thinking, maybe you're right. And then Jesus lifting the head of Mary and saying, what you have done is special. Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. And then he challenges them. You will always have the poor, but me you will not always have. Here's the thing that I want to leave you with. We can actually become fixated on other people's opinions. We can become fixated on them so much that we actually stop doing things out of the fear that we will be criticised, out of the fear that other people will have a negative opinion on what we, have, what we choose to do about ourselves or about our actions, or about our faith, our belief, all of this. It becomes a major problem when we actually stop doing the work of God, when we stop sharing the gospel, when we stop loving our neighbour as ourselves, when we stop doing the things that Christ commands us to do because we're afraid of what somebody else may say. It becomes a problem because fear has crept into our lives when it should not have because we need to replace those negative opinions with what Jesus said to Mary. Leave her alone. God loves you. His opinion is so important for each and every one of us. His opinion that actually led him to the cross, the actions that he did so that we may be saved, so that we may have eternal life, so our relationship with God may be restored is so important for us that it it will lift us up and over those negative opinions around us. People will say hurtful things to you. People will say hard things to you. But what got me through, what was important in all of this, was I came back and I remembered Christ's words for us. I remembered. And, and I want to just share what, what, what has been the driving verse for us through this whole series that it's important that a, that a thief will come only to steal and kill. Translate that. People will give negative opinions so that it will destroy you, pull you down, make you sad and doubt yourself and stop you from doing things. But, but I have come that you may have life. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus wants you to have life. He wants to lift you up and not only just have life but have it to the max, to the full, to abundant, overflowing life. This is what Jesus wants in your life, not to be afraid, not to be hiding back, but to have a life that steps out because the love of God is flowing through you. That is what we have. Yes, people's opinions matter. Your opinion matters when you give it to other people. 
Are you going to pull somebody down or lift them up? Are you going to give them life or are you going to destroy and kill? Are you going to be a thief with your words and your opinions? Or are you going to be like Jesus and give life? I know which one I choose. And, I, and let me say, I don't always get it right. There are moments when I get it wrong and often it's the people that are closest to me that get the hardest part of me. And I want to apologise for that. I want to say that I want to do better. I want to make sure my opinions are life-giving. And I invite you, if I'm not giving a life opinion, a life-giving opinion to those in close relationship with me, this is my church, this is, this is the people here, this is the people online that know me, tell me so that I may change. And I would love that if you are willing that we'd have that relationship together. God wants us to step out and be bold. God wants us to step out and not be afraid. God wants us to step out and spread the good news of Jesus Christ to all of the world. So we need to overcome our fear of other people's opinion and hold on to the opinion that God has given us about ourselves, that we are special, that we are wonderful, that we have a purpose. So let's just pray together. Loving, gracious God, we just give you thanks for your word and how your word opens up so much to us, how it challenges us, how it reminds us of the life that we've, that we've lived, but also of the things we've done. Lord, we just ask that you, that you forgive us when we have used our opinions as weapons when we have used our opinion as a negative towards somebody else. Lord, help us to stop in that moment and take that back. Help us to stop in that moment and change who we are. Let us remember your words of love in our lives. Oh Lord, we just ask that you will let us and lead us to be people that lift up, that encourage, that support, that give life, that give life and meaning and give hope to the world around us. We ask that your love, your guidance, may be upon us and be with us always. Amen.